You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron Dietrich here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe, alongside from the Washita Citizen, Jake Martin. Hello, Jake. How you doing today? Hello. How are we? <laughs> I'm the one that's coming back from New Orleans. I'm the one that should be dragging, and no, it is Jake Martin. No, you should be on a high. You got to go to New Orleans. Yeah. You got to, you know, drink Lord knows how much alcohol. Mm. And yours truly got to hold a crying baby all mm. night. So I don't want to hear it okay. from you. <laughs> Plenty to discuss over the next uh, two hours. You can hit us up on the Darren Moody State Farm hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Find out how to save money on home and auto insurance by stopping by and visiting with Darren on 18th Street in Monroe. Plenty to break down, uh, plenty to discuss that took place over this weekend. Yeah, that said, I am happy because football's here. Yeah. Like, it's here. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about it yesterday. Like, last weekend – that's the last weekend I don't really have anything yep. football wise. And next weekend you got the MAIS Jamboree. It returns, by the way. Uh, the week after that, um, you know you're, you're fully entrenched in preseason, uh, getting some previews out. A little plug there. I'll plug in a little more when we get closer. Got some really cool previews coming out. And then the week after that, it's the Bayou Jam. Mm-hmm. And then after that, hey, the season college football is mm-hmm. here and high school football. So I'm excited. And now, of course, uh, all the colleges, they have reported to camp and practices are underway. And yes. then you mentioned uh, we will have games this week and this weekend, including the Saints on Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, we sure will. But we start with what uh, caught our attention the most from this weekend. Where would you like to start? You know, I don't know where we should start. Do you think we should start with Brandon Coleman? I guess, but I don't even know if this is a big story or not. Brennan well, Coleman, of course, uh, has been cut from the Saints. We're talking about a kid that we talk about extensively during the preseason for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think he had a grand total of 23 catches last year for New Orleans. He's had some injuries, a neck and hip injuries. He gets cut, but then after practice yesterday, Sean Payton said, well, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him again in a Saints uniform. Yeah, so essentially he failed his physical uh, designation, and then, like you said, after practice, Sean Payton – kind of hints that there could be a reunion uh, as soon as, you know, uh, Brandon Coleman undergoes rehab, gets fully healthy again, and uh, saying that they're on the same. So I, I know <laughs> I get it. It probably shouldn't have let off, but I'm just looking at the headlines here, and I'm like, you know, I, you want to start with Johnny Menzel? Uh, well, one last thing about the Saints, of course, the game on Thursday night. They were practicing over at Tulane last night. A couple things that by reports uh, – Marcus Williams continues to look outstanding. He Some say by some reports that he's having the best camp of anyone, which is a bold statement. And also in the red zone, uh, Boston Scott scored on a jet sweep. Yes. Also, um, the fact that more, more and more keeps being made about Marcus Williams this mm-hmm. this fall. Uh, just saying that he has had, uh, you know, by most people's accounts there, has said that he's looked the best in fall camp so far. So I think – that's really not a surprise to me. I mean, it honestly could have went two ways. What happened 
the way the season ended, it could have really killed his confidence and we could have saw a decline or it could have motivated him to come in uh, to this training camp and really show out. And that's what's happened. I'm glad that the latter happened. So I can't wait to see what Marcus Williams does this season. Staying in the NFL, uh, Northeast Louisiana's Doug Peterson has a new deal with the Eagles. Yeah. Contract runs through 2022 now. And I don't, I couldn't find any other details on it. But uh, certainly good to have some, some job security. Uh, you were not all in with the Hall of Fame ceremony, I take it. I was watching fights, uh. to be honest with you. Um, but it, it kind of went the way I expected, you know, just reading about it. Ray Lewis got up there, yelled and screamed mm-hmm. a little bit, sweated a little bit. Yeah, uh, basically what I was anticipating. Yeah. Did his little dance. Sure. T.O. got a little bit of airtime in Chattanooga. They had the one little clip from him getting his jacket, jacket. there. Yeah. Cookie says, T.O. is the number one Hall of Shamer. Oh, yeah. Jerry Kramer walks out with a cane waiting 50 years to be in the Hall of Fame, and T.O. has no respect for him or other legends. Nice. Strong, Cookie. Uh, Trent says, Marcus Williams was a monster all year except for that one play in the moment. Yeah. I agree, Trent. I agree. Uh, other headlines. Hey, how about this? Uh, there was a trade. Did you see uh, the fact that uh, the Browns have un- Corey Coleman. Yeah, Corey Coleman has been traded to the Bills. How about this stat? So from 09 to 16, the Browns have had 16 number one first-round draft picks. Okay. Not a single one of them are on their roster now. That's insane. How does that happen? I don't know. That's Maybe that's one of the reasons why they have sucked so bad. That is the reason. That is the reason. They always botch the draft. How can you not have one single guy or one that you hit on? Because the, that's how this – what are the odds of they that? were? And that's why uh, I thought it, you could call them dysfunctional. What was it? Somebody uh, – it was Cowherd and Baker Mayfield. Cowherd was calling them dysfunctional, and Baker was trying to defend them. You can't defend that. You cannot defend that. And we saw the last two years, you know, with Jeff Ireland and the New Orleans Saints, what they've done in these last two drafts. The drafts can change your team, man. The Saints are legitimate contenders again because of the draft. The How Browns could you swing literally on 11 picks. The Browns are, were winless because they missed on 16 first round picks. Totally. I mean, you could totally tie those together. Mm. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, missing, you were anticipating and looking forward to, of course, Friday night. You were all in with Johnny Football. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that went off the rails rather quickly. Johnny Menzel's first attempt was an interception, and he had four interceptions in the first half. He did, however, make some tackles. He threw those picks, <laughs> raced down the field, and got some good licks in. I did not watch the game. So four in the first half? That was bad, man. Man. He was trying to do way too much. He was trying to be Superman out Should there. Should have ventured? No. Uh, but it was funny because like, he had like three interceptions at this point, and he scrambled out and made an exciting play. Yeah. And the the fans there were just pumped about it. Like, they were fist bumping and everything. I'm like, y'all are down 35-3, to three, <laughs> and he made one play. I guess y'all will cheer for any any sign of hope. I haven't watched many uh, CFL telecasts. How was it? I mean, it's fine. It, it, it takes some getting used to with all the motion. Uh-huh. That drives me crazy. And, by the way, a lot of, I don't see how the referees are able to – uh, you know, the false starts, or, mm-hmm. because it, it looks like some false starts that they do yeah. not call. I guess they're just like, eh, if it's close enough. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that the motion stuff gets me. Yeah. And the field goals. 
give Johnny a pass because he's going up against his old team. Maybe they just knew him well. Uh, sure. Let's see what he does. I mean, honestly, I watched that and I was like, yeah, that NFL comeback's not happening. <laughs> I'm a fanboy, but I can admit that's not happening. I'll find out what the ratings were for Friday night on ESPN two. I think they were good. A lot of people were talking about it. And I saw some CFL purists. Yes, there are some CFL purists out there. They were, like, annoyed. You know how, like, when you have that one thing you like, but all these other people are, like, suddenly interested in it and they want to talk about it yeah. and they don't know what they're talking about? They were very annoyed, kind of, that a lot of people were talking about Manzo. That's probably the first time you've ever used that before. CFL <laughs> purist? <laughs> it is. It is, actually. Other headlines from this weekend? Uh, let's see here. We, we failed to mention Urban. Yeah. So that kind of his <laughs> – we missed the good stuff because Friday afternoon he releases his own statement. Mm -hmm. And, Aaron, I don't know about you, but when I read that statement, I was like, okay, this is a play to put all the blame on his bosses and see if, hey, if I went through the proper channels, which is actually what's written in his statement, A, you can't fire me for cause, mm -hmm. and B, or B, you just have to keep me on. So this is part of his statement. Unfortunately, at Big Ten Media Days on July 24th, I failed on many of these fronts. My intention was not to say anything inaccurate or misleading. However, I was not adequately prepared to discuss these sensitive personnel issues with the media and I apologize for the way I handled those questions. Yeah, so he admitted that he knew. Now, and he lied to the media. Yes, but that that's not the bigger. That's mm -hmm. not that big of a deal. What is a big deal is that he knew and he kept Zach Smith on. Is that enough to fire the guy? That's the question. That's what Ohio State has to answer. And now Ohio State says the investigation of Irvin Meyer and the domestic violence complaint, and of course against the assistant, their investigation will be completed within 14 days. Yeah, so, so the clock weird. is ticking. I think that's weird to put a time capsule on it to say, hey, in 14 days this will be resolved. Mm. Don't you need to see how the investigation plays out? I don't know. I thought that was odd. Um, that said. Do you think he keeps his job? Yeah, I still, like I told you Friday, he's going to figure out a way to wiggle his way out of this. Well, that was kind of what I was saying, too. But honestly, with this, I think it shifts the blame, you know, to the, to the people higher than him. And I think he can stay on. But what this does is I think it does damage his character, you know, the fact that he knew about it and that he kept this guy on. And what did, you certainly watched more of the interviews that uh, Zach Smith had uh, on the radio a, and then, of course, uh, doing the rounds of the ESPN. I was watching the, the video interviews, man. That dude lying straight through his teeth. He, I mean, he's talking about it, and then he's denying, and then Brett McMurphy's straight up releasing screen grabs. Like, yeah, he said that he didn't hit her. Here's a, uh, a text conversation between his wife or his ex-wife, Courtney, and himself, where he basically admits it, and you're like, oh, okay, mm. all right, I see you, Zach Smith. There's your little bit of an update on Urban Meyer. LSU practices, uh, of course, get underway over this weekend. The media gets to get in there for, what, 25, 30 minutes, and everybody's gushing over Joe Burrow. Well, no, not necessarily. You, you're trying to say that, and I told you, I haven't seen too much of that because those who are credible – no better than to watch 20 minutes of practice and come away saying, yeah, he looks great. He's going to be the savior of LSU. So just, uh, 
they all quote unquote look the part. Mm. And that's as much as you're going to get from that. Uh, we got some comments from uh, Jalen Hurts coming up later in the show. Mm, some good this stuff. is not going to go over well with Nick Saban. No, uh, he probably walked uh, straight from that interview <laughs> into Nick Saban's office. I would not be surprised. And then he was doing stadiums afterwards at Gassers. <laughs> yeah. We're going to punish you. He had a long day, I'm sure. The one thing that you know Nick Saban doesn't want is players, of course, uh, making controversial statements to the media. Or criticizing his staff. <laughs> Can you ever recall another instance where, where a player criticized Saban? Uh, so we'll have that sound coming up for you later in the show. We are your home for the Houston Astros. They lost to the Dodgers 3-2, to two, but they won the series 2-3, to three, including a 14 uh, nothing victory over the Dodgers in Game 2 of that series. And speaking of Bama, saw that Slade Bolton was actually battling for a return spot uh, to be a return man for the Crimson Tide. So mm. that's pretty cool. Uh, those are a few of the headlines from this weekend. If we missed one or two, please hit us up at 888-993-7762. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pancake. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Jake wants to hear from uh, Coach O, so we got plenty of sound from him later in the show how he's dealing with this quarterback drama. Also, some high praise for your Faraday kids. Yeah, uh, especially Dara Rosenthal. Uh, anxious to hear those comments. We got some uh, sound from uh, UL in football. Of course, uh, their practices continue. In fact, they're going to hit the field later today. They will actually be in pads oh, around yeah. 8.30 today. Ben Carlisle from uh, Believe Tech Blue will join us in the next segment. Tell us uh, some of his thoughts and his perspective on the first couple of days of practice for Louisiana Tech. And the voice of the Warhawks, Nick White, will join us for his weekly visit around 8.30 or so. Also, we will get into the Jalen Hurts comments. Uh, Connor McGregor has a fight, Aaron. I don't know if you've heard about it or not. He will fight Khabib in October. Uh, and also, we need to get to a little bit of high school talk. You know, high school's ramping up as well. Maybe we can start looking at some area teams and uh, talk about who we are anxious to see this fall. 888-993-7762, The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7, back after this. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. 
Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Nothing's uglier than oil stains and tire marks on a carport or driveway. Unless, of course, it's old broken gutters dripping gunk all over the house. Well, Bayou Overhead Door can fix both those problems. Along with installing reliable garage doors, Bayou Overhead Door specializes in beautiful floor coverings for your patio, garage, pool deck, or driveway. These durable floor coverings are installed in just a day and are four times stronger than epoxy. Easy to clean and long-lasting with a 15-year warranty. And for pool decks, they reflect heat so they stay cooler. For those worn-out gutters, Bayou installs seamless gutters, available in all colors and fabricated on-site with state-of-the-art equipment to ensure a custom fit on your home. No more ugly tire marks and oil stains. No more leaking broken gutters. A beautiful home starts with a call to Bayou Overhead Door, 322-1090, or visit their user-friendly website, BayouOverheadDoors.com. Grab another cup of coffee and keep tuned to The Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Moore, Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to the show. Aaron and Jake hanging out. Now joined by Ben Carlisle from Bleed Tech Blue on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline. Ben, how you doing this morning, bud? Oh, pretty good, guys. How y'all doing? Good. How nice was it just to get out and, and see the Bulldogs out on the practice field? Oh, it, it was awesome. You know, you know football's back. Uh, fall camp's definitely one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, just having the opportunity to kind of watch the team grow uh, over the course of a month, see you know which players have really progressed since the spring, and uh, overall Louisiana Tech uh, has looked really good the first three days of fall camp. All right, let's start there. Just uh, in general, the eyeball test. You're up close and personal. Was there a player or two that stood up just in terms of his body type? You're like, oh, he's gotten a little bigger. Maybe perhaps this guy has shed a few pounds or two. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Uh, you know, you look at this team, uh, you know, you and I were at the press conference last week, and Coach Holtz talked about how this is probably the most depth that he's had definitely since he's been at Tech. And you can see that, obviously. You know, 1 through 85, uh, Tech uh, is as deep as they've ever been. Uh, as far as, you know, a couple of players that have stood out, uh, junior college linebacker Connor Taylor, uh, we last saw him in the spring. He slimmed down some this fall. Uh, he's really running sideline to sideline very well. And then I, I look at the receivers on the other side of the ball. You know, the younger players, you look at an Adrian Hardy. Uh, you look at a young receiver like a Maurice Wren, uh, one of the prize recruits of that 2018 class. It's just looking like, you know, Wren's the most physically ready uh, freshman receiver that Tech has. And Hardy seems like he's really coming into his own. He's probably added 10 or 15 pounds of muscle. But I'd say for the most part, uh, when you look at the roster from an eyeball perspective as well, it's really a lot of guys have slimmed down from the spring, uh, dropped some weight, got a little more agile, able to move around a little bit better, uh, which hopefully will help them as they head into this season. All right, Ben, you know, whenever you talk about Louisiana Tech and especially the offense, everybody wants to know about Jamar and, of course, how he's progressed. Coach Holtz talked a lot about it. Uh, his maturity, and, of course, how he was dealing with the uh, knee injury throughout the spring, coming back from it. How did he look in the first couple of days of practice? Oh, he's looked good. I will say I think he's in the best shape that he's been in in over a year at least. He, he looks back uh, close to that freshman weight that he played at, uh, especially, you know, we all remember the Arkansas game. But throughout that season, he's moving around a whole lot better. 
I think he'll be a bigger threat in the run game this year than we saw a year ago. And a lot of that is uh, culminated with, you know, Holtz having more belief in his backup quarterbacks as well. But Jamar has been rock solid. Uh, I'm not going to say he's been spectacular. He's missed on some throws that he should hit. Uh, but he has been rock solid. He looks good from a leadership standpoint. You can tell he's really on the same page with his receivers more than he was a year ago. And then you look at some of the backups, Weston Elliott, uh, Elijah Walker, and the freshman Aaron Allen, they signed out of the Houston area. All three of those guys have really impressed me in camp. Uh, I think Aaron Allen's going to be really good uh, You know, by the time he gets a chance to play two or three years from now. But overall, the quarterback position has been really consistent. Uh, you know, doing a good job at really getting the ball out quick and getting it to those playmakers as, you know, Tech has plenty of receivers to get the ball to. Elijah Walker, of course, coming out of high school, just an incredible athlete, and I know he had some issues uh, last year, especially being a freshman. How have you kind of seen him progress or at least be out there on the practice field participating? Yeah, you know, you look back at that spring game, he had a nice, I think it was a 45, 50-yard touchdown pass, and he's looked good. You can tell he still has those moments. Uh, where you know he doesn't get rid of the ball quick enough, or he struggles with accuracy, but there's no shortage of talent. Uh, that's for sure. He moves moves around well back there. He can get out, uh, get away from pressure. So I'm excited to see how he progresses. I don't really see him pushing Weston Elliott for that backup job. Elliott's been really impressive. Uh, he's a kid. You remember he came from Blinn. He just hasn't played a whole lot of football, but uh, from a leadership standpoint, you can tell the team really gravitates towards him as well. So. But I'm really impressed with what Elijah's doing, and uh, he'll only be a redshirt freshman this year, so he's pretty intense. Man, staying on the offensive side of the ball, uh, running backs, of course, uh, he mentioned the fact they don't have one of those standout players in terms of name recognition going into this year. There's not a Kenneth Dixon or perhaps a Boston Scott or Jarrett Kraft. How have you seen the carries kind of been split so far in practice? Yeah, I think it's obvious that right now, Jaquise Dance, he's, he, he's the number one running back. When you look at him, his weight's up. He's probably 200 pounds. Uh, he's so fast. He's so shifty. He can run between the tackles. He can bust it outside. Then behind him, I think you got Cam McKnight, junior college running back, Justin Henderson, uh, really bat- battling for that backup role. McKnight slimmed down some. Uh, he's one of those guys I was talking about that is slim from the spring to the fall. Uh, he's moving better. He's just such a bigger running back, around 6'2", 6'3". Sometimes it's hard to get his pads down low. And then Justin Henderson from Coffeyville, uh, he's listed at 5'10". I'd lean more towards 5'8". He's a bowling ball, 215 pounds, but he runs hard. So I'd say those three running backs are probably your top uh, targets to be the go-to guys when the season comes. I think McKnight will be a guy that's in there having played receiver, help out in pass protection, and uh, – you know, being that security blanket from a check-down standpoint, maybe on third down. But all three of those guys have looked really good, but I'm excited to see what Jaquise Dancy can do uh, if he's able to stay healthy. All right, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought it was pretty uh, revealing. Uh, Skip Holtz in his press conference talking about Jalen Ferguson and, of course, getting him back to being the impact of the player that he was. Yeah, he mentioned the fact that he's, he feels good about the weight that Jalen's carrying now, probably around 260 or so compared to maybe up to 280 last year. Ferguson, can he get back to, you know, the 14, 15 sacks a year? I don't know if he can get to 14 or 15 like he had as a sophomore, but I do think he will be back in double digits. Uh, you talk about the weight. I think that did slow him down a lot last year. And then, you know, Coach Baker's talked about multiple times that he's got to do a better job of getting Ferguson in some one-on-one opportunities. 
uh, whether it's bringing a you know some pressure from that same side to free him up. But I think uh, you know he's back down to 260 around there, like you said, and uh, he's going to have a big year. He's got a really solid fall camp. Uh, there was one play yesterday where uh, the running back Henderson went off left tackle, and he, he thought he was going to run right through Ferguson, and, and Ferguson drove him back. So uh, that was good to see. It's, you know, that's an area he's really – I'm not going to say he struggled in, but that's an area that he's really tried to improve in is stopping the run. And uh, I think he's poised for another obvious all-conference year and pushing towards 10-plus sets. Ben uh, Carlisle from Bleed Tech Blue joins us on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline. Ben, is there a couple other players that have stood out on the defensive side? You know, when we went to the fall camp press conference last week, you know, you really thought you knew what the team had, and it was a surprise to see that uh, Coach Holtz and his staff brought in a grad transfer safety from Hawaii, Daniel Lewis. Uh, Lewis started 12 games a year ago for Hawaii at 77 tackles. Uh, and he, he's a guy that's already running with the starters for Tech and uh, playing back there next to Daryl Lewis. Uh, Daniel Lewis is from New Iberia originally, so he spent four years out in Hawaii. Uh, probably a pretty nice vacation time for him for a few years, but he's a player that's really impressed uh, at safety, you know, obviously if he's already starting. And then, uh, you, obviously, you know, you got the normal guys, Abik Robertson, Legereus Sneed, Mike Sam at at cornerback, uh, probably the best crop of corners that Tech's had uh, since I can remember. And then you look at linebacker, I mentioned Connor Taylor earlier, and putting him next to Davon Washington. Those two, uh, especially yesterday, man, they were flying all over the field. Uh, Taylor plays with such emotion and energy on every single snap. Uh, it just seems like this defense has a chance to be uh, really, really good, probably the, you know, or perhaps the top unit in conference, USA. What about a guy like James Jackson from uh, Haynesville? He's a, he's another kid, a fourth-year junior. Uh, you know, hasn't played a whole lot in his previous three years. Uh, you know, really just help out on special teams. And this year he's kind of playing that hybrid safety linebacker role that we see uh, in Baker's four-two-five sets. And he, he's probably going to start. Uh, he's really come along physically and mentally. You can tell he's really communicating well pre-snap. Uh, local kid that you know, I know many were excited about when he signed. Uh, I, I really think he has a chance to be one of the better players that uh, Tech has on defense, just because he has that impressive blend of size and speed uh, that where you don't really have to take him off the field in a passing situation. But James Jackson has really impressed, and he has a chance to keep Brandon Floyd off the field as junior college signee that I know the staff was really excited about. Ben, when you make your way out to practice, is there a position battle that you're eyeing the most or trying to keep tabs on? Well, I, I'm not going to say a position battle that I'm really keeping tabs on. Sort of mine is, you know, you look at the kicker position. We, we've we seen for the past four years, Jonathan Barnes is, you know, he's probably been the best kicker uh, that Tech's ever had. And they brought in a grad transfer this year, Brady Hale, uh, from uh, – four-year D2 school in New Mexico, and then you got Brady Farlow returning, who was signed out of Jones County uh, Junior College in Mississippi last year. Those two uh, are fighting to see who ends up winning that kicker job. And, you know, in college football, that can uh, really, you know, we saw it last year. Tech loses three or four games by one point. So it can be the difference in, you know, a seven-win season versus an 11-win season. That's one position I'm really watching. And then the other one's the left guard spot. Willie Allen was brought in uh, 
Uh, originally signed with LSU out of high school, and then now he's battling it out with Drew Kirkpatrick to play left guard. So uh, it's early on in camp, pass Rome for the first time yesterday, but it'll be uh, interesting to see who separates themselves among those two. Uh, ben, I know this was before your time, and I don't even know if you saw this uh, interview that uh, Derek Dooley did. Uh, it was on the USA Today. Of course, he's now Missouri's offensive coordinator. Uh, Dooley had some remarks about Louisiana Tech, just basically saying uh, a dead-end job when he got there, and he, he thought he had ruined his career. Uh, did you get an opportunity to see this article? Yeah, I did see that article. And I, I thought, you know, for the most part, I thought the dead-end job uh, part that he said was a little inaccurate, but the rest of what he said I thought was really insightful and it was pretty much spot on. And you look what Derek did uh, over his three years in Ruston. There's no telling where Tech would be. Um, you know, I think the athletic director side of him was probably a little bit better uh, than the yeah. coaching side of him. And I know he was extremely difficult to deal with from a media perspective. I've talked to Jay Ford about this a few times, but. Uh, all in all, I thought what he said was really insightful, and uh, he made a lot of good points. Ben, we want more from you. Uh, how can we get involved with Bleed Tech Blue? Yeah, you can join us at Bleed Tech Blue on Twitter, or you can join us at BleedTechBlue.com, only nine ninety-five a month. Uh, I'll be out at practice here in a couple hours. And, uh, of course, as always, we'll have our daily practice reports like we do every day. Join us at BleedTechBlue.com. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, guys. I want to get into this, uh, Derek Dooling, these comments. Yeah, and you know, the more I think back on that, the crazier it sounds to have to juggle mm -hmm. both of those positions. Well, what he did, and, and knowing the position he was in, he was able to bring in Bruce Vandevelde, and he was the guy that was kind of doing the day-to-day -day operations sure. of it, and, and Dooley was more in charge then of marketing and fundraising. Yes. Yeah. And, of course, parading around and doing these different town hall meetings, and that's kind of where – he got in a little bit of a trouble or at least kind of offended some uh, ULM fans. Mm -hmm. But uh, we, we'll get into this comment this because uh, it was pretty insightful just to what it was like for him to be the AD and also what he meant to Louisiana Tech as an athletic director. And I always said, you know, when, you know, when he went to Tennessee, get calls from there, you know, hey, tell us about doing. I said, well, you're getting a good athletic director. You yeah. get some good things. Now, as a head coach, I'm not so sure. Sure. Um Let's dive into that, and let's let's discuss Jalen Hurts mm -hmm. in the next segment. How about that? That sounds good. You can join us at 888-993-7762. The Morning Drive is back after this. All right, let's tie up some loose ends here. Uh, talking about Derek Dooley and his time at Louisiana Tech. Uh, in this interview with uh, USA Today, he was asked about Louisiana Tech, and uh, did he become the athletics director right away, or was he there for a while? Uh, before we go, uh, Coach Mo joins us on the hotline. Coach Mo, what's up? Oh, not much. It's my own way to football practice myself. Uh, oh, yes. Listen, I got a couple. I got a couple things y'all been talking about. First of all, the catch you had talking a while ago from Tech said that the kicker at Louisiana Tech may be the best one ever at Tech. Well, I got that news for him. If he's the <laughs> if he's the best one ever been at Tech, that dude there ain't no kicking controversy because there's a cat named. Chris Boniel that kicked there for years, and the other dude, I don't know what his name was, but I coached against him when I was at Washington. We went over and played Longview, Texas, and I promise you, he kicked the opening kickoff through the uprights. Yeah, Josh this, this camp went, Yes, he kicked yes. in the NFL 15 years, somebody 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I hope he's right. Because, you know, I'm... <laughs> I kind of got a little bit of tech blood. My dad went there, but I went to Northeast. 
no kid to ULM, though, by the way. But, uh, but anyway, the other thing I want to talk about was Dooley. Yeah. Guys, we were in a, uh, we were in a coaches session over there at, uh, Tech High School Football Coaches. And, uh, first of all, he was agitated. He acted like he didn't want to be there. The second thing is, his opening line was, he said, guys, all y'all worried about money, you know, here in Louisiana, this and that. Don't worry. Everything's going to matter. Everything's going to be all right. It don't matter if gas is $3 a gallon. We still going to have plenty of gas. And I'm sitting here, man, this dude has got a car that he don't pay for. He's got a gas car that he don't pay for. And his daddy was a head coach at freaking Georgia for years. He doesn't have anything to raise, anything to worry about. But he and never did get on the same. <laughs> do what now? And his wife was a doctor. His wife, yes. He never did get on the same page of anybody around here. And he was a freaking jerk, man. <laughs> and I will tell you, I got another story for you on Dooley. One of the kids I coached at Washtenaw went on to get his degree in construction management and worked for the construction company that did the addition on Tex Fieldhouse. And actually, the re- renovation of Dooley's office. And he's, he played outside linebacker for me. And he says, Coach, he said, I, he said, you wouldn't believe this guy. He didn't want us nowhere near the field house as long as he or the players were. We had to do everything at night. And uh, he said, we had to tear out a whole petition of a wall in his office just so we could put a blow dryer like you would have in a bathroom stall for his hair. So there's Derek Dooley, guys. Yeah. Uh, hey, so, I enjoy like listening. You're, you're postseason form. You're, you're raring to go. Yeah, I can tell you're ready to get to practice. <laughs> well, it kind of agitated me a little bit about the guy talking about this guy may be the best ever, and I've been around here all my life, and I can name two right now that played in the NFL, so I hope I hope, that, hope he is the best ever. And then you talk about Dooley, man. <laughs> oh, last time I seen Derek Dooley on TV – your boy for the Cowboys, Des Bryant, was shooing him out so bad. I felt sorry for the guy. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine coaching Des Bryant? No. Uh, Dooley can't either no more. That's why he's at Missouri. That's right. Coach Mo, thanks, but man. I, Have a great practice. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's good stuff. He's a little fired up. Don't mention the words Derek Dooley, Aaron, and just – Assume it's going to be a normal morning. Mm. All right, let me uh, get to his quote here. Uh, did you become athletics director right away, or you were there, or were you there for a while? Which is, you think this guy that was doing the interview would have a little research on him? But he's, yeah. this is Dooley's response. My first year, the AD retired. I can't tell you how bad the program was. They were three and ten. There was no money. It was literally like a time warp to the seventies, to the point where I had a panic attack. I took the job sight unseen. When I got there, I told my wife. I just ruined my career. If you look at everything prior to that at the school, nobody got out. It was a dead-end job. Your career sunk. I woke up the next day and I said, I have to roll up my sleeves and figure out how to make it work. It was pretty demanding. Dooley went on to say, I kept going to the AD and he kept saying, it's not me, it's the president. Well, who's going to talk to the president? He said, you go talk to him. I was like, okay. The AD wanted me to go deal with Dr. Renault on all these issues and educate him. We developed a really good working relationship and developed with other administrators. When the AD retired, Dr. Renault just said, hey, what do you think about being the AD? I never thought about it, but it eliminated a layer from working with the president. 
I told him the only way I could do it was if I could hire someone who had to be who had been an AD who could take some of the stuff off my plate and I could prioritize. So I hired Bruce Van Velde. He had been at Iowa State and he had been here in Missouri. He was awesome. Julie went on to say, the whole time I put my time into revamping our fundraising arm and doing what we needed to do to get in a conference USA and build an end zone facility. The program was never going anywhere until those things happened. We were in the whack and our facility was a disaster. It's not like some of the other money schools where you just go and do it. It took a lot of work. That's where I put my energy. Bruce was great day to day. We had a really good year my second year, disappointing my third year. We had a run of injuries and other things. But in my mind, I wasn't going anywhere. I loved it there. I had a great situation. We were in a good recruiting area. We were signing good players. I knew if we just stayed the course, we'd do what we were doing now, competing for the league every year, winning nine games, going to bowls. We started doing that. Wow, he referenced, he said we there with Louisiana Tech <laughs> for the success that they've had recently. Nice tie-in. Yeah. Uh, he is right, though. In terms of that end zone facility, he did a magnificent job. Absolutely. Because he was beating that drum. There's no denying that. Um, but I was just thinking the whole time, when you first started reading that, I was going, yeah, I, that doesn't sound pompous at all. Yeah. But yes. yes. Um, and, and Ben comes back and says, I got news for him. Barnes is best statistically. Check mm-hmm. the stats. We aren't talking NFL. So Ben is uh, sticking by his statements mm-hmm. about the, the kicking game. Just Tech has had a nice run. I mean, Barnes, Scobie, Boniel. Uh, Richie says Tech's, Tech has had some special legs in its history, Matt Stover being yeah. probably the most successful. Matt Stover, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you forget Matt Stover, another NFL vet. So there you go. Who would have thunk that uh, Derek Dooley would make comments about Louisiana Tech after all these years and it would fire people up? Oh, it certainly did. I would say so. Speaking of firing people up, and I'd love to be on a fly on the wall when uh, Nick Saban hears the comments that Jalen Hurts made about the quarterback situation. Wouldn't you? What did Saban say just a few weeks ago? He basically said... No, nobody needs to make a comment about the quarterback situation, and that includes the families of the players as well. Well, Jalen Hurts finally gets his opportunity, and I'd say he made the most of it. Kind of clarify your position. Um, well, I think, like I said, they they didn't they didn't they didn't want me to talk for whatever reason. Um, I might get the opportunity to speak now, and I mean I've always tried to handle handle situations like this and, and handle speaking the best way that I can because in the day I'm, I'm representing myself and I'm representing my family back home. What was with, your with the use of social media though? I mean, uh, I mean, you could have in, in some ways did that. It was that also kind of it kind of explicitly told you that you know maybe you shouldn't post something on social media to kind of answer I guess some of these questions. Well, I think it's something that you just I I, I mean, it's a this is a situation that is uncontrollable. Coaches can't control this situation. You know, they they dictate who plays, but as far as the other, you know, variations to it, you know, they don't you know control it honestly. Um, and you know, like I said, this whole spring, ever since the game, um, they kind of wanted to let it play out. You know, they kind of guess didn't think it was a thing or tried to let it, let it die down. Like it wasn't something there because it's always been the elephant in the room. Um, and, it was like for me, no, no one came up to me the whole spring, coaches included. No one asked me how I felt. No one asked me um, what was on my mind. No one asked me, you know, 
how I felt about the things that were going on. Nobody asked me what my future inhaled and um, that's that. So now it's like when we try and kind of handle the situation now, it's for me, it's kind of late. It's too late. You know, it, it, the narrative has already been, already been created, created. Was that a problem that you didn't get that kind of uh, response or even that inquiries from your coaches or anybody on the team? Was that, is that an issue for you? I think as a player, um, you definitely want to feel some concern from your coaches, I guess. But I don't necessarily think they were not concerned because they're, they're definitely concerned. Um, I just don't think that they were maybe bold enough to ask. Like it was a, I know it's there, but I don't want to talk about it. And I definitely think it was something that should have been talked about a long time ago instead of being talked about when it's here. It's like kind of like a stove. You know, you, after that game, the, the, stove, the, the stove got turned on. He got turned up. And it's now, it's like, okay, now we put the pot on the stove. Now we put the food on the stove. Now the, now, now the food's cooking, right? And, you know, come the season when it officially starts, the food will be done. <laughs> you like that analogy, uh, don't you? Oh, that was cringeworthy. So, Jalen Hurts will be not will not be made available to the media for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> now, I'm interested in seeing what you what you think about this, Aaron. He should have just shut up. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Pat says good for Jalen. The dude led them to two consecutive natties and can't get any communication from the coaching staff. That he plays for, I believe at least he deserves that. Now, now that's what I want to ask people, and I, I would love to get everyone's opinion on this. Does he deserve that? Because I, I was so when this came out Saturday night, I was watching fights with some buddies, and we had a long discussion about it. And part of me felt like, you know, it's going to be awkward if you don't address it. Like, I'm surprised that at least... Haven't they addressed it, though? And Saban said, well, it'll be a competition. To him. Like, go just talk to him. Just just talk to him and kind of hash it out with him and say, listen, you know, I know it didn't end the way you wanted it to. You know, you want to see where his confidence is at. I'm surprised at least a GA didn't do that. I'm not surprised Saban didn't do that. I don't expect Saban to do that. But, like, somebody low on the staff at least to come up and have a, like, legitimate conversation. Hey, man, are you, are you handling this well? I know that had to be tough, you know, to, to have to sit out and watch us come back and win the national championship without you. And so I'm just surprised that that conversation didn't take place, according to Hertz. The question I want to ask is, was he owed that? Because mm. so, a lot of the guys I was talking to, they're like, no, he wasn't owed that. They didn't have to talk to him. And I, I kind of feel the other way about it. I feel like not saving, maybe somebody on the staff should have sat down with him and said, hey, man, how are you doing? You know. Because seriously, he that, has won a lot of big ball games. What, what is his record? Twenty six and two. Twenty six and two. <clears throat> he's and he's SEC two. Offensive Player of the Year as a freshman. Yeah, he's done a lot for the program, and that's why I'm just saying. Not only that, even if he even if he wasn't, you know, this all SEC player, even if he was just just a player on your team that struggled in the national championship, I still think somebody again not Saban I don't expect that from Saban somebody on the staff to talk to him I feel like Saban had some sort of conversation with him according to Hertz he didn't if you believe what Hertz said and then why is this blowing up at this point why was this, this something time, why, this in the first spring time to talk about it this is his first time to get a chance to talk he just said that the coaches didn't want him to talk and he was saying that the coaches didn't talk to him and you know he questioned the the boldness of the coaches and I don't know if they weren't bold enough they were scared to talk to me mm. about it man some criticism for the coaches that is not going to fly well with Saban
But do, you never gave me your answer. Do you feel like he was owed that conversation? Yes, and I, I believe you put that conversation was probably had, and he may have not realized it. So you're calling Hertz a liar. No, that's media members <laughs> trying to twist the words. Just, you're, you're saying that you're what saying he's saying is they true. have these exit meetings. It doesn't matter what team, what program you're involved in. They all have exit meetings where you're discussing whether they're leaving the program or you got guys coming back. This is how this last year went. This is what you need to continue to work on. This is where we see you with the program. You're telling me that Saban didn't have one of these exit meetings last year following the year with Jalen Hurts or perhaps leading into spring football. You're hey, saying this is the way it's going to play out. A lot of that is all business, though. He's talking about nobody asked me how I felt. And this is football. This is a tough game. You know, that's why it's. I think it's, a, it's an interesting question because people are going to have differing opinions about that. At the end of the day, he is a person. He is a quarterback. That's something pretty – and he and I thought he handled it well, and that's that's what would have – You thought he handled that? The right whole there? national oh, okay. championship thing? You don't remember how well yeah. he handled that? Yeah. He cheered on to uh, – he, he, he celebrated. He's got a team playing for a title, and you sucked in the first half. Okay, but ha- Aaron – I just invite you to What's go. What's he going to go sit I on the bench? You, Is he going to go sit on the bench you, by himself? I invite you to go watch Last Chance You and see how some kids would handle that situation. Okay, well, it's not a given that the kids going to handle that appropriately. That may be why they're at Last Chance You. It is why, but I'm just saying, Jalen could have handled it the same way. He could have sat over there and pouted. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. We're back after this on the morning drive. Good text here. Someone says Jake is a pot stirrer. <laughs> okay, so. Well, we're talking about the Jalen Hurts situation. We just played the video for you. When you hear it, you either think, yes, it's one side of the story. You either think that he's lying, that this conversation actually did take place, or the, that the coach's staff didn't have these conversations with him. And so my question was, should they? Were the, was he owed that conversation? So I think people have differing opinions about that. Got another text here that says, I think they had the conversation, but Jalen didn't hear what he wanted to, hmm. which could also have happened. And we've got a text from um, Tom says, you make decisions in a game, and if the players have concerns, then they schedule the meeting and ask about those concerns. Yeah. So, you know, I, I look at this situation, and I'm not trying to throw the pot, but obviously there's something wrong here. You know, we were talking on the break. Nick Saban's going to blow up this week. I, I'm calling it. You know, as soon as he gets – whenever he meets with media next, I don't know if that's today or tomorrow. <laughs> so who's going to be the poor fool? They all have to. Who's they have to ask the, okay, about it. It's your turn. You ask about Jalen Hurts' comments. Yeah, and it'll probably be multiple questions, and that's when Saban – Saban will try to handle it well the first time, mm-hmm. and then that short fuse will go off, and we'll be playing some uh, entertaining audio. All right, we've discussed this numerous times, how this situation should be handled, and then if you're Jalen Hurts, obviously he sees the handwriting on the wall. That's what you think. You think he sees that I'm not winning the starting job, I need to say something. Why, why, though? What, what, What does he benefit from that? That's my question. So Hurts' numbers from last year, 17 touchdown passes, one interception throws for 2,081 yards on the ground. He rushes for another uh, 855 and has eight scores. Yes, yeah, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> but we pull up the national championship. Honestly, numbers. though, this is why you can't just go by numbers. Yeah. His numbers are fantastic, but if you look at the games in critical moments against really good teams, Alabama fans will quick be quick to point out that he failed them at times. 
and and especially in that national championship game, Tua came in and saved the day. So it's it's a complicated situation. It's a scenario that I mean, yes, it's great to have two quarterbacks like that on your squad, but you know, guys in that locker room, you know, there's gonna be some Jalen Hurts guys mm-hmm. and there's gonna be some Tua guys. And so you Saban has to work extra hard to make sure it doesn't cause this team to, you know, have a And what can split a team apart faster than anything else? A quarterback controversy, correct? Yeah, it's that's LSU. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask LSU. But we've mentioned this numerous times before. Hurst is actually in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Considering academically he's taking care of his business and he's set to graduate in December. And the red shirt rule. Yes. So he could play up to four games and still be. This is where he really needs the communication with the coaching staff. Because, I mean, if he plays less than four games, I mean, he's going to have another year of eligibility left. He's going to be able to transfer somewhere and, and he'll have two years left. Mm-hmm. Now, if he goes over that four uh, four games and they put, put him in there for some mop-up time, then, of course, he's going to lose a whole other year. Yeah, that's true. Or he could make a stronger case that, you know, I should be the starter. And then, of course, the controversy will continue. And then perhaps later down in the year, maybe Hurts replaces two at some point. Maybe. I, I still just think it's Tua's job. I really do. Um, so, Aaron, let me ask you this. You're Nick Saban. How do you handle this? First of all, you call the kid in the office and say, what the heck were you thinking going uh-huh. to the media? If you got concerns, you come directly to me first, and we handle this situation. And he doesn't use the word heck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's first of all. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. That, that he was just preaching to the media literally two weeks ago that I will not have my quarterbacks being all about I. It's all about we. Yeah. And then the first thing he's got is – look. This is a big no-no in, in all of sports, right? Professional sports, you know, I remember the Kobe Shaq situation was so big because they did handle it in the media. Yeah. And that's usually not how it's done. It's supposed to be behind closed doors. You confront the guy like a man and say, hey, I got a problem with you because of this. You're talking about Nick Saban, the guy who is all about structure and and is able to, I, I guess, um, Develop this system to where everything runs flawlessly and it's a well-oiled machine. No word gets out to the media that, that he doesn't want to. And his one of his starting quarterbacks, one mm-hmm. of his star quarterbacks, goes out there and has this to say. I, again, I, I, I'm having a hard time remembering a time where a Saban player openly came out and just criticized his coach. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't wait to see how Saban handles this. And the other thing, Hurts should have done better. He should have had his lines rehearsed a little bit more. It seemed like he was kind of flying off the, you know, from the cuff there. Maybe he should have had it, the points that he wanted to make a little stronger than he actually did. I don't know. He probably spent some time thinking about that stove analogy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's Jalen Hurts. That's his story. We don't know if the conversation actually took place. Nor do I really know or really think he was owed that conversation mm. to begin with. I think for me personally, my, my personality, um, I think it's always weird if you have beef with someone and then you're you're forced to work together with them. You know, my first instincts go up to the guy and hash it out one way or another. But you got to confront it. You can't just sit there and ignore it and let it fester. So this is playing out in Alabama. Down at LSU, the Tigers have their own issues, of course, with the four quarterbacks, not two but four. Joe Burrow running with the uh, four string, I guess, practice number okay. one. That was just to say, hey, you're the new guy. 
And well, yes, but also Orgeron has made it clear even in the spring that these guys take every day they they rotate what what string they are. And for the spring game, it just so happened that Justin McMillan was the first guy up. So wasn't the fact that he looked the best in the spring game, Justin McMillan? You're talking about for this practice, yeah. yeah, maybe I don't know, but I don't I don't put a whole lot of thought into it, man. And as far as the 25 minutes that we're being told about, <laughs> I don't put a whole lot of thought in that either. Yeah, we'll wait and see. I think Burrow's going to win this thing. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. Here's uh, Ed Orgeron on the quarterbacks and the depth chart. Ain't we excited about camp? And, uh, you know, you heard me talk about the depth chart the other day, and there's a lot of competition, especially the quarterback position. It's open. Our guys are ready to go. They had a good summer. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see our offensive line gel together. Now that Ed is not there, uh, the move may, will be made by – we might move Damian Lewis to right guard. I uh, just talked to Chase on Hines, uh, who's done a tremendous job losing weight, and I think he's been an outstanding uh, defensive lineman. We're going to move him to uh, the left guard position behind Garrett Brumfield to give us more depth. So we find there. Uh, we should be in good shape. We won't blink. Any questions? Um, you were talking about Ed Ingram on Wednesday. How recently did this happen? You know, uh, I said what I said. I'm not able to come in anymore, and I won't come in anymore. Yes. Yes. You know, Steve's going to do a good job of that. We have walkthroughs in the morning. Uh, we have team periods. Uh, we're going to we're going to split our seven on seven uh, in uh, in two. You know, we're going to have two spots in the morning, two spots in seven on seven, and some other team drills may have two spots instead of one spot, so guys will get more reps. I don't know that. I can't answer that. Uh, he's just suspended indefinitely. Is it up to you? Excuse me? Is it up to you? No, he's a violation. It's a violation of team policy. Uh, we have a, a policy set in place at the university. He broke that policy. And uh, so we just need to see what happens. Coach, the, uh, the first poll of the year came out. Miami is number eight. Uh, I know you yeah, sure. Yeah, and we knew Miami was a good team going into that, whether they ranked or not. We watched them on film. Uh, Coach Rick has done a tremendous job. We're going to be ready. Uh, we're going to be ready to take on the the uh, a challenge. Uh, but, you know, our goal for right now is to focus on camp. We're building the foundation of our football team. It's not about our opponent. This is a great time, man. we got about four weeks, and we're going to focus in on our football team. Yeah, completely forgot about a huge headline that broke Friday, which is that Ed Ingram will miss fall camp because he violated team rules. Absolutely huge blow. This is supposed to be a starter on LSU's offensive line. So now Damian Lewis will for sure start, as will Lloyd Cushenberry at center and, and Garrett Brumfield at, at left guard. But uh, that's a big storyline heading into the season. And then the suspension. Yeah, I mean, but that's but that's the biggest thing, man, the fact that he's not going to play because we were looking at the interior of that offensive line trying to figure out who's going to go where. And I told you when we were looking at it that Ed Ingram's the given, you know, before this news broke, that he was a given to start because he played so well last year. Well, that's not the case now. Cushenberry has to step up. 
More from Coach O coming up after the break. You can weigh in at 888-993-7762. It's the Darren Moody State Farm hotline slash text line. The 7 o'clock hour in the books. Plenty coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, including our weekly visit with the voice of the Warhawks, Nick White. We're back after this. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.